0: From Olympic City and the home of Pike's Peak, this is the Automotive ADHD Show. Welcome into another fine edition of the Automotive ADHD Podcast. Hanging out with you, uh, this at least, on a Sunday. Daylight savings time, by the way. The whole thing is is up and changed as of today. We're on the new time and uh, definitely caught me off guard. You know, I was enjoying some of the nice weather we've been having here, working on the car outside, getting things done. And uh, then I was like, man, it's, it's getting dark early today. What's up with that? Well, that's, yeah, time change. I totally missed it completely this year, but hey, what what can you do? Getting a lot of stuff done on the uh, on the car. Got some new wiring done on it, courtesy of uh, Brian. By the way, you may have heard him uh, a couple episodes ago debunking mechanic myths. Uh, definitely go check that out if you haven't. Now today, I'm going to be talking about Toyota, how they're expanding support for some of their old cars. Going to be talking a little bit on the new infrastructure bill. Um, that passed, and why why it matters to car enthusiasts. And also, we're going to ask a very important question. Does driving a manual transmission make you more attractive? Yes, we're going to have a special guest as well joining me uh, to answer that question in the third half of the show. But before we get into that, I want to talk about uh, this I saw, a recent study that says Alpha... Drivers are more likely to get speeding tickets out of any other car driver out there. Uh, They are the number one in speeding tickets, which I could kind of see that. I'm surprised it's not like Mustang drivers or Subaru drivers. No, Alpha drivers. Granted, no one's buying an Alpha to go slow. So, you know, that that doesn't help. Also, the fact that they're red. They're very, very red cars. Very uh, easy to catch police attention in a car like that. So not no big surprise to me. But the study also found that Subaru came, it did come in a close second. Uh, Volkswagen drivers, third. Maserati drivers, fourth. S- surprising, considering how those cars probably aren't running half the time. Uh, and then number five, Ram drivers, Ram truck drivers. That's a surprising one there. So, hey, avoid those speeding tickets. Your uh, your life will usually be better if you avoid those. But anyway, I want to get into some other stuff. Uh, of course, all things Throttle Warrior throttlewarrior.com you can drop a line to the show email me matt at throttlewarrior.com ladies gentlemen aw11 mr2s let's get into the first thing here which is exciting news and that is that toyota has announced that it will begin producing oem parts again for the ae86 this makes me so excited because this is part of the uh, the gr heritage parts program uh, and they're going to be producing as well new parts new factory original Parts for the toy, uh, Toyota 2000 GT, the old, old school FJ40s, the A70 and A80 Supras, and I'm, I'm excited, you know, by this not just because I have a crusty old 86 that might need some parts, but I, I'm really excited for what this means for enthusiasts of old cars. So some of the parts they are bringing back uh, for the 86: rear brakes, steering knuckles, drive shafts. That's that's about it. Now that said, this is cool again. If you are a fan of old Japanese cars, this is perfect because uh also following suit, Honda recently announced they would be doing the Honda heritage parts program as well, uh, making new S2000 parts, NSX parts, even Honda Beat parts. I love the Honda Beat. It's so tiny. It's so cute. such a cool car. I wish there were more of them around, uh, but those are also cool. Uh, Of course, Nissan is doing a similar thing uh, by producing R32 GTR parts, um, or just Skyline parts in general, and they even have a full restoration program that if you have copious amounts of money to spend and you want to send your old crusty Skyline to Nissan, they will restore it factory fresh. So again, really cool. And and I think the reasoning behind this is a couple-fold. So uh, OEMs, you know, uh, manufacturers uh, obviously want you to buy their new cars, you know, hence why they discontinue parts. You know, they, they, they discontinue parts, for one, because they have new models of cars, and it doesn't make sense to keep continuing, you know, support for these older cars. Uh, and, uh, I mean, look, at the end of the day, again, they're in the business of making money, and they would like you to buy a new car, but when a car becomes sort of a cult classic, like take the A80 Supra, you know, the Mark 4 Supra, it's become a classic, or the R32 GTR, uh, you know, people are buying those and spending really good money to have those over new models. And, you know, for example, like Toyota, you know, obviously they want you to buy the new BMW, I mean, Sup- you know, Toyota Supra, yeah, that one, Um and uh, But they know there's a good chunk of people, a very good chunk of people, who really want to hang on to those classic classic Supras. They don't want the new one at all. They don't care about the new one. They're never going to buy the new one. Um, and they are going to be keeping their old Supras on the road by buying parts from other aftermarket companies. You know, And uh, you know Toyota sees this, they know this, and they know that they can start capitalizing on it. Like, okay, they're like, well, f- sure, if we can't convince you to buy a new car, at least we can still make some money on some parts by selling you stuff for your old car. Now, bear in mind, this is It's a small margin of profit for them. Obviously, their biggest profit numbers are going to be coming from their new cars. uh, And more importantly, not even their sports cars. You know, they don't make as much money producing sports cars uh, as they do producing, you know, Toyota Camrys and Corollas and stuff. Uh, But, you know, there's still a little bit of money to be made. And manufacturers, again, like Honda, Toyota, Nissan, see people wanting to keep these old cars on the road and they see them doing that and say well at least we can get a little piece of the pie if we supply them some oem original parts now that doesn't mean they're going to start supplying oem original parts to you know your 93 uh, toyota tricell or your uh, you know your camry they're really basic cars probably not you know those cars were kind of meant to be you know commuter cars kind of meant to be a little disposable from the beginning uh, not saying they are but that is how things get viewed at times. Uh, so I think this is actually a really, really good thing. Again, why would the manufacturer want you spending money on aftermarket parts when you could spend money with them? And then they make money. And then you get cool OEM parts that are OEM quality, uh, which is kind of just a win-win. Those parts, though, probably do come at a little bit of a premium. Such is life with OEM stuff. Such is life with ordering anything through a dealer, uh, which, by the way, is how you would if you were wanting to get any of the uh, supra parts, FJ forty parts, two thousand GT A eighty six parts from Toyota. You would have to order them through a dealer, and you know we all <laughs> we all know that's a little more on uh, the expensive side. But I, I do hope to see this. Um, with more manufacturers, especially for old, classic cars. Like, why isn't Ford producing more parts for their old F100 series trucks that people are paying, like, $100,000 for at Barrett-Jackson? And same goes for Chevy and, uh, you know, with old Corvettes. You know, I mean, it's cool seeing these Japanese manufacturers do it, and you primarily see them, the Japanese ones, uh, being the ones who will do it. Now, granted, uh, pre- pretty much we'll never see this from uh, manufacturer of one of my other garbage cars, um, AMC, American Motors, I don't think they're going to be doing a heritage parts program (laughs) anytime soon. In fact, I don't think they've done any business for about 35 years. Hey, what, what can you do? What can you do? So, yeah, I'm really excited to see more parts out there, more cars. Keeping these cool Japanese cars on the road. These kind of things make me happy. Hopefully they make you happy, too. It's exciting stuff. So, anyway, after the break here, it's going to be a short break, but we're going to talk infrastructure um, and how your car might be affecting your love life. going to have a, a special guest joining us in the third half of the show. That and more after this. Every day, thousands go without the ability to buy necessary and life-saving parts. Parts like turbos, coilovers, and wheels. I'm Steve, turbocharged BRZ. It doesn't run because I can play with my connecting rod through the hole in my block. Project cars sit unfinished, waiting for parts, collecting dust. My name is Todd, and I bought a rotary It's okay, bro. We'll uh, swap it. But no more. You, yes you, can make a difference. For as little as $5 per month, you can put an end to Project Car's suffering and support your favorite podcast. Patreon.com slash Throttle Warrior. Donate now and receive special perks. Sponsored by Autoholics Anonymous and the Speed Council. For the second half of the show, uh, hear those car sounds, by the way. Those could be yours. Devin, Tirso, Ilya have all sent their car sounds in in the past couple of weeks. And you should as well record a sound of your car doing something cool. I mean, Tirso sent a sound of his car blowing up. So <laughs> I could set the bar pretty low there with that. So you should do that. Email it to uh, Matt at ThrottleWarrior.com. So I want to give you a brief update from last week. Uh, I talked about the controversial section of the Build Back Better bill. We're going to talk it's really light politics, but trust me, this does involve cars. So the Build Back Better bill had a part in it that was including a $12,500 EV tax incentive uh, that was paid up front, um, which is uh, 4500 bucks more than the... Um, or uh, is a good chunk more than the current one, which is about $7,000. So uh, I do think that it is a good thing that this is on hold now. It was, so the main big infrastructure bill did pass this week. That is a whole nother political can of worms, and this is a car show, so I'm not gonna get too far into that. But with this part specifically, I think it's a good thing that that tax incentive was put on hold. And that's not because I want you to pay more if you're buying an EV. That's not what I'm saying. But it's because I think that the, that part of the bill is broken. And that if you're buying an EV, you should get credit, that tax credit for it, whether or not it's from one of the big three automotive manufacturers. Um, Now, if you're just joining this week and you didn't catch up with last week's show, um, that $12,500 EV credit um, was only going to apply to EVs, electric vehicles, made by union workers, specifically the United Auto Workers uh, Union. And uh, so basically, Ford... Uh, GM and Stellantis, Chrysler, whatever. So uh, that's basically what that was going to do, and Toyota put a lot of pushback on this, uh, and so did Tesla, by saying that, you know, well, you're excluding other non-union work, and you're excluding um, non-domestic work as well, and that's not very pro-consumer when you think about it. When you tell the consumer, well, you could buy a Chevy, and you'd get $12,000 off, but if you buy the Toyota, you've got to pay $12,000 more. Well, what do you think the consumer's going to do? They're going to go buy the Chevy, and I'm not saying Thing we shouldn't support american manufacturing for instance toyota makes a ton of their cars uh, almost any of the u.s market cars they have here now are made in the u.s by u.s workers so this isn't a american labor versus domestic labor, or um, versus foreign labor argument it's not it's, it's it's not this is just in my opinion a weird jab at uh or a weird political swing to try to get Uh, The unions on board with stuff. I, you know, look, I think uh, Bob Carter, he's the executive vice president of Toyota North America. He put it really well in an interview where he said, and I'll play the clip here. This is what he
1: said. It eliminates over 50 percent of the industry and 50 percent of the vehicles that are produced in the United States. So if a customer chooses a Toyota or a Tesla or a Rivian, They're not available, this, this credit is not available to those consumers. This is just bad policy.
0: So, anyway, that's not necessarily a victory yet that this bill is put on hold. It hasn't been, you know, totally canceled, but it hasn't been approved either. Uh, and, obviously, the EV tax incentive is um, its a small part of a very big bill that includes lots and lots of many things. Again, this is a car show. We're not going to get into those. Um, but, you know, it's, it's in limbo right now. And I'm not saying I don't want to see it passed, but I am saying that I think... It should be changed so that it is not exclusionary uh, like it is right now. You should be able to decide if you want a Toyota, uh, you know, a Tesla. You should, If it's a tax credit, and they say it's for the environment. They say this is for the environment. If it was truly for the environment, then it wouldn't be exclusionary, and it would include all manufacturers making electric vehicles. And the fact that it's exclusionary tells me that it's probably not actually with the environment in its best interest. So there you go. We'll see. We'll see if this gets passed. We'll see what it is. At the end of the day, uh, people are going to buy EVs anyway. So, you know, and also not like I was going to buy one myself. Uh, maybe in the distant future. We'll see. I, <laughs> I have yet to find an EV that I genuinely like, uh, though I do think there are some that are fantastically fast. But from an enthusiast perspective, I have one, I have yet to find one I like. Might just have to make one that I like. Those EV swaps, by the way, are uh, getting really, really popular. But anyway, that's enough of politics for now. This is is a car show. Um, And uh, speaking of some cool car stuff and some EV stuff that is cool from a car enthusiast perspective, SEMA show has been going on, uh, has been in full swing this past week with tons and tons of cool builds, all sorts of neat cars from uh, big manufacturers, also small custom shops going there, if you don't know, by the way. Uh, SEMA is one of the biggest aftermarket car shows of the year. Some of the coolest stuff comes out there, and I've been seeing, catching up online, seeing a lot of great, really neat builds that look like they might actually even run. <laughs> Oops, did I say that out loud? Yeah, it's, it's SEMA. That's the running joke that half the cars there don't run, but hey, what 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 can you do? Now, some of the coolest ones I have seen, uh, speaking of EV swaps, that has kind of been the biggest uh, highlight of the show this year. Um, you know, there have been EV swaps at shows past, but it really seems like people are pushing them now. Um, there's a company called RyeWire, which uh, makes a lot of uh, like wiring harness products for uh, Hondas and things like that. I've seen them around before. But they have a Tesla-swapped Honda S2000 that apparently is very, very quick because, well, it's a Tesla drivetrain with instant torque, instant power in something that weighs a lot less than a tesla I think like half the weight so that is uh, really cool to see that and you know uh, speaking of other ev swaps ford has been uh, they did a really cool ford f100 ev pickup build uh, and they did this to promote their uh, illuminator uh, crate engine so ford has uh, started offering uh, that you can buy for reasonably priced not a ton of money that's a 280 horsepower crate motor electric motor that you can buy with all the wiring harness stuff and just drop it into whatever cool old chassis you have. I do think that's actually pretty cool. You can buy two motors and you can have uh, even more power. And you can just basically stack motors, which is cool, and have as much power as you want. Uh, also, going into the non-electric realm, the good old gas-burning dinosaur-munching cars that we love. Uh, Tech Arts, the uh, famous 86 tuner, brought out some really impossibly clean 86 builds. Those were cool. Um... And some other neat stuff too. Like saw a lot of Jeeps out there. Quadratech, the uh, Jeep uh, uh, aftermarket parts catalog, built a Jeep with like a hundred-inch gigantic tires. For for some reason, I mean, they're enormous. Um, and is it like they're enormous, but they're skinny, so they're like thin discs, but they're like a hundred inches wide. I don't know. That that was really cool. Uh, someone else built a uh, six-door Jeep Wrangler because. I've always wanted, you know, more doors in my Wrangler. No. Uh, but then Toyota also built the uh, the Tacozilla Camper, which looks like it was straight out of the 1970s, minus the shag carpet. That was uh, my disappointment, that there was no shag carpet. So if you're going to build something that looks like it's from the 70s, come on, get that shag Carpet, So that is uh, that is all good stuff. Now, of course, uh, you know, if you want to see what's going on with SEMA, lots of great photos online, lots of good things. You know, one day soon might hopefully get this show out there and uh, go check out SEMA Live. That has been on my bucket list. Don't think that it won't happen. That's going to be pretty good. So now I want to get into uh, something entirely different in the next segment of the show. We're going to be talking about Romance, love, manual transmissions. What is there not to love about manual transmissions, but also how they might be affecting your love life. And of course, a special guest is going to be joining me on the show to talk about just that. It's coming up next. And now for how things work with an engineer. Transmissions. Shift. And that was how things work with an engineer. For more of how things work, go to patreon.com slash Throttle Warrior back rocking it for the third half of the show. Of course, you want to send those car sounds in to matt at throttlewarrior.com to get those featured on the show. So, uh, the next thing I want to talk about here is, um, and before we get to our guest, uh, is uh, speeding tickets. So, check this out, right? Speeding tickets uh, are never fun, but at some point, we all get them, whether we like it or not. Even if you think you drive slow, well, there's a good chance you'll get one at some point. Now, uh, there's an interest list of statistics I found from uh, carinsurance.com. They did a study about some of the best ticket excuses um, and the ones that you don't want to do. And uh, Now, to clarify here, you really shouldn't be using any excuses to begin with, but these are some of the ones that they found in their uh, course of study that have maybe a better chance of uh, working. So uh, no, the first one, the number one uh, one is uh, kind of boring, but it's, uh, you know, I didn't know I was speeding. Yeah, that has a 26% chance of success. Uh, another one uh, below that needing to use the bathroom. That is uh, 20% chance of success. Late for a date, that has a 10% chance of success, which, by the way, is the same um rate that they found for using the excuse of being late to a funeral, date, funeral, those are pretty big differences, um, not a very good bet uh, as far as that goes. Now, that said, half of the people say they got out of tickets without an excuse anyway, just being upfront, being honest, and uh, that's sometimes the uh, best course of action. Now, my advice, I have had, uh, I'll say, several encounters with uh, getting pulled over, for, You know, usually speeding, usually speeding. But uh, my best advice is just be chill, be respectful, most importantly, um, and it, tell the truth so long as it's not incriminating. If you do intend to fight the ticket, uh, don't admit to something that you didn't actually do uh, if you do plan to uh, fight that ticket. But usually the best course of action, and police officers appreciate it, because at the end of the day, They're people, too, and uh, they're out there. You know, they're not always out there looking to give people a hard time. So at the end of the day, being just respectful, chill, uh, polite, understanding, and just being a person, you know, uh, that's probably your best chance of actually uh, getting out of a a small speeding ticket. Now, if you're speeding a lot, I don't know, you're probably not going to get out of it. There's a uh, good chance you won't. Now, that said, I mean, I wouldn't know anything about that just saying Uh, but alpha drivers yeah as we were talking about that at the beginning of the show man they are screwed none of this is going to work for them if you drive an alpha and you get pulled over a lot i'm sorry that's just part of owning an alpha that that is what it is now speaking of things that i wouldn't know anything about and actually so let's chat about um love yeah let's let's move on to this because uh this comes from uh, and, and see, I I don't speak from great experience here, but how does your car affect how someone uh, is going to perceive you, like a potential romantic partner? Well, this comes from an op-ed in the publication Inside Hook. Uh, the author Logan Mahan says she believes men are more attractive when they drive manual transmissions. Now, it's a very thorough, well-done article, but I do have some opinions. As someone who drives a manual, uh, I would... Actually disagree with her on that, but but more on that later. now, her article goes on to say that, quote, "I think there's something we appreciate about the simple fact um, that a man has gone out of his way to learn an unnecessary skill. Yeah, this is talking about if uh, women find it attractive if men are driving manual transmission cars, an unnecessary skill. Excuse me. What's so unnecessary about it? Now that said, uh, she goes on comparing the manual transmission to men wearing short shorts and backwards baseball caps. Which um, I'm probably missing something there. <laughs> I probably am. I'm not sure what she's getting at there. Uh, maybe I don't know. Maybe you tell me. But uh, they also, uh, she also said here that the um, the uh, ride is bumpy. Quote and shifting gears adds a layer of unpredictability to the passenger side. Whereas a passenger, you feel on edge. For the majority of the ride um, and uh, she goes on to say the experience quote is thrilling uh, but also driving stick uh, feels inherently masculine uh, which may add to its appeal uh, i just think in my rebuttal to this uh, is that that if the drive is unpredictable and jarring and where you're feeling on edge for the majority of the ride then whoever you're driving with may not actually be all that good at driving stick just Just a consideration there. It should be smooth. It should be controlled. It should be predictable. Smooth car handling is important. Now... That said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to continue on here because we're going to get to our guest. Our guest, she is waiting to join the show here in just a minute. But, um, you know, the, look, it's a huge generalization. As a car enthusiast myself and also as not a woman, I have a very clear bias uh, in this in this uh, field here. I'm very biased, obviously, towards the manual transmission, which is clearly a superior option. I'm just, you know, just throwing that out there. Uh, but that said, I'm probably the least qualified here to talk on this subject of, does a manual transmission help when uh, perhaps you're going on a date? I don't. You know what? I am the least qualified, so that is why I want to bring a special guest on the show. She has been waiting very patiently, Uh, Laurel McKenzie, a good friend of mine for many years. Welcome to the show.
1: Hey, how are you doing?
0: I I am doing good. Now, to clarify uh, that you are not a car enthusiast. I am not. That you are a woman, yes. Yes.
1: I, last time I checked.
0: Last time you checked. Okay. Uh, and that you have definitely not been influenced by any of the monetary bribes that have been sent on behalf of the show.
1: Oh, no, no, not at all, no.
0: Okay, okay. Just, just making sure we are good in that regard. Uh, also, I haven't really questioned you prior to this. Uh, I don't really have a complete understanding of your position on it. So I'm going to be hearing a lot of this for the, the first time myself as well. But the big question is, are men who drive ma- uh, manual transmissions more attractive
1: well i think that i think the argument that can be made is that you have a skill that not many other people have you know that automatic transitions have pretty much taken over um mainstream the mainstream car scene i guess but um i don't think it's going to be the number one thing that gets a girl to go home with you
0: Okay, okay, and, and, and is this presumably why I'm, I'm still single, because I've been relying on this this one tactic, just the manual transmission?
1: Um, no, I think you're still single for a grab bag of reasons.
0: Oh, ooh, ooh, shots fired. Okay, and on that note, we'll move on to the uh, the, the next question here. Uh, again, Laurel McKenzie is my guest, and uh, uh, okay, what do you think then when it comes to uh, cars that that says about people, uh, you know, like if, if you were dating and I know you're, you're not right now, obviously you are in a relationship and, um, and, but what does that say? If you were de- actively dating someone and you were going to, uh, get in their car, what do you think that car says about them?
1: Well, if you did have a manual transmission, I guess that would say to me, like this guy took the time to learn something that's not really commonly known. And if you have an automatic, it kind of screams daddy's money.
0: Oh, daddy's money. Okay. Okay. So, uh, then when, uh, looking, looking back at the article I've been, I've been talking about here, um, Logan, uh, Mahan says, uh, that driving, being in a car and being jostled around in a manual transmission car is, is more unpredictable and therefore more exhilarating do you think that is true? Because my take on that was being jostled around too badly in a car like that just is a sign of uh, poor driver skill on behalf of the driver.
1: Well, I guess it depends on the person and the type of um, road you're running. Um, but I personally think that, you know, getting jostled around the car, going super fast, that's, that's super fun to me. I just, I'm the type of person that just likes roller coasters and going in fast cars but I definitely know some people that would um, ruin your passenger seat
0: now um, now again so when it when it comes to someone's choice of, of vehicles you know and you do see that that automatic transmission or you do see that manual is that immediately going to be your first kind of point of reference or are, is, is that really like far down on the the bottom of the list because my perspective on this at least my my initial opinion was that now this is honestly not that that relevant uh, though i mean clearly we're talking manual transmissions are better but you know that's that's a side from it is how how far is that when you're waiting you know if you're going on a date with someone for the first time where is that on your your priority list
1: Um, I'd say that's pretty low, actually.
0: Fair enough. Yeah. Now, would would that, and here's a hypothetical, like a far out there, would that extend to um, people, like you've got more and more modern cars, like even electric cars that don't have transmissions at all and are very easy to drive and drive themselves. Do you think in the future, in a world, let's picture this, in a world of like self-driving cars, do you think that... Uh, just being able to drive a car in the in the, the distant future would have that same effect.
1: Um, I feel like being able to drive a car would have would, would get you two points. I um, I don't know how I feel about of Tesla determining where I go.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep. That is uh, there's one thing we can agree upon here. So there you go. You heard it here first. Driving a manual transmission gets you roughly half a point according to Laurel so Laurel I want to thank you for joining me on the show today thank you and uh, again see that's uh that is some of the perspective I wanted to bring to you uh, a perspective different than mine because again my perspective is very biased you know what and actually I think that manual transmissions are very very attractive uh with you know what with all those synchros and gears man those those transmissions, the, the transmissions themselves are hot. <laughs> just saying, just saying. So uh, there you go. There you go. Again, thank you for joining me, by the way, on this fine edition of the Automotive ADHD podcast. Of course, if you want to interact with the show, email me, matt at throttlewarrior.com. Also, be sure to send in those car sounds, matt at throttlewarrior.com. Again, use an email here. Got a lot of good stuff going. Of course, check out the website, throttlewarrior.com, and you can subscribe to this wherever find podcast and this one are downloaded. I will see you next time when I use my Hawkeye Subaru to help out the mob. See you then.